Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You are listening live to Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Tuesday night, April the 18th, 2017. I'm Jay. Nope, I'm Dre. He's Jay. Got that early mess up out of the way right off the bat. I love it. We are back. We have been in Chicago. We've had our fantasy draft for the wonderful, illustrious Ad Hack Fantasy League. And... Our team is looking, eh, we, we didn't know what to think of our team uh, when we left the draft. It was it was one of those interesting auctions where you got to make adjustments on the fly. Guys go for different values than you thought they would, and you kind of adjust on the fly. And so we'll talk all about that. We've got a whole lot of different topics we can get into in and out of sports. We have 90 minutes live with you and whatever we decide to do for an after show after that. So, Jay, how you been, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. It's nice to get one of these little housekeeping shows in here. Yeah, there's a ton of things that have happened, and we haven't discussed any of it, so absolutely good to get it out of the way and also to set up what uh, what our plans are going to be next week. As, as you may or may not have known, the NFL draft is actually next week. So this is crazy. I know. It's, so we already got to get ready for that. Uh, all the other things that I – plan to cover at some point in this show with you uh, and I actually wrote them all down to, so that there's no way I can say I, I forgot this and I forgot that it's here listed with me and I, and I probably missed some things too but we got the draft coming up next week trying to figure out how we're going to do that show we got March Badness recap we got Wrestlemania recap uh, our Chicago trip re- uh, recap of course uh, which included a meeting face-to-face with Football Fan Rush Radio. Very happy to see those guys in person. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Jerry Krause, who passed away while we uh, have been on our little hiatus. Uh, of course, we can always talk about uh, what happened on United Airlines and why that's something you really don't want to have as part of your public uh, relations system right there. Uh, some Colin Kaepernick discussion. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, the Boston Celtics point guard, had a situation a couple of days ago. I wanted to get into all of that as well. And anything and everything else that we could possibly think of to get into, including whatever you might have on your mind, we're wide open. We can get into anything. We can go in any direction. Is there anywhere you'd prefer to start? No, I mean, we are the kings of non sequitur. So that is bound to happen here over the next hour plus and we're we're gonna we're gonna end up i'm sure with some what, what were we talking about moments uh always chicago chicago was good uh this might be i, I think this has got to be the nicest weather we've had oh, by a mile in chicago 
for for one of these weekends down there for our little our little baseball getaway uh, for the greatest for the greatest day in sports. It used to be the greatest night in sports. I think now it's become the greatest morning in sports. <laughs> yeah, we get started earlier and earlier every year. It seems. Yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah, as you said, every year is different. You never. You always go in with a plan, you know. For for us with our with our American League only fantasy team, where we we always go in with a plan, and after the, you know, it's the old Mike Tyson, you know. If everyone's got a got a plan until they get punched, right? And that's pretty much what happens. The first first players, first two three players come off. All twelve people sitting around that table think they're getting that guy. Obviously, right? I, I mean, every oh, yeah. you know, if, if it's if it's the best players. You're not just sitting there going, no, nah, we don't need that guy. <laughs> no, we don't need him. I mean, you and I had that luxury on the pitching side. We were not sitting there going, yeah, we, we, we got to get that guy. I mean, other than getting the closer, uh, we had highlighted. And when one of our rare discussions not on the show, uh, you and I discussed getting a closer, which we did. We're very, I'm very happy with that purchase of Aroldis Chapman. Uh, he's He's been everything you'd expect him to be. Um, and we followed that up with a $1 pitcher, which was perfectly fine. You know, we have our little list of pitchers. We got a guy off the list we weren't expecting to. It was, that was, it was an interesting moment when uh, we were sitting there and we, we nominated the, the illustrious AJ Griffin of the formerly of the uh, Oakland A's now of the Texas Rangers. And we nominated him for a dollar and nobody said a word. No one said two. No one said two, and the gavel went down, and we got him. And then, then all of a sudden, you know, the the typical moment that I always get with uh, the team next to us, uh, with with their owner Ben. Uh, Did you <laughs> want that guy? <laughs> we were sitting there, we're looking at our list, which was funny because we have our list of pitchers, and you know, based on the criteria that we use, which we won't discuss, it's our it's our almost bulletproof pitching thing that we go and we come up with you come up with and it's our mcdonald's he was, special sauce we can't discuss it anywhere. he was he was very high up the list of, of so, the yeah, guys we were targeting him. so we yeah and we were going to basically be happy and i did not expect i think i remember sitting down with you when i gave you the list i gave you the list and said none of these guys are going to be a buck so just start crossing <laughs> off names and Lo and behold, we get the man for a dollar, and he's been about what we'd expect so far. <laughs> right, he, he's earning a... he's earning his keep. He had a great start the other night. Um, yeah, yeah. So if I have to give the the post mortem here of the draft, uh, the thing that we knew we were really good at, we are really good at, and that's pitching. Our team can we we without a doubt, and the numbers bear it out without a doubt, even through the first but two, two plus weeks. Um, clearly we have the best pitching um, out there. I just, if we, we just can't hit and that's going to, I think be a struggle for us uh, all year long is if we can hit enough, we don't even have to hit great. We just have to hit a little bit. And I think, uh, I, I think we've got, a chance. And, you know, all you can ask for is that chance. If you, if you can be in the conversation come Memorial day, then you can start thinking about making trades to alter your team. Um, and, you know, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if this, if this wealth of pitching 
you know people are going to be asking for it. Nobody, nobody's coming to us for our offensive players unless we're dumping. So right. you, you know that people are going to be coming to us uh, for the pitching, and uh, it, the pitching has been has been outstanding so far. I've, if you've been following along with the guys that we have and what they've been doing, um, it's it's been it's been extremely good on the pitching side. So to give you a, a perspective, we have a five by five a American League only league. Um, 12 teams. So that means you got 60 hitting points and 16 pitching points for the people at home who under who do not understand who all they understand is uh DraftKings. You know, <laughs> or or head to head. This is this is old school roto. You have, you know, you basically they're just ranked on the stats that you accumulate and you get a ranking one through twelve, and that's your points. So you know, twelve teams times five in, in the pitching side, the absolute best if you had the twelve in every category is sixty. And we have fifty five point five right now. That's pretty damn good. That that's <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty good. Uh, I I can I can live with that. I I do not believe that a two point six zero and ERA and point nine nine <laughs> WHIP is going to hold up all year. In an AL only and league, the, no, an AL I don't only think league. So. And we're and we're the best in strikeouts, uh, second in wins, and. Uh, second third and saves so that that side's great the pit the hitting side terrible next to last or last almost every category except for steals we're first <laughs> so we have the fleas hashtag feeling power hashtag sad yeah we have the fleas basically right now that 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 that's our team we have the little fleas we have guys that steal bases um, and again, get hurt. We do like uh, both of our both of our high priced middle infielders hurt. Um, both will be back uh, one sooner than the other. I mean, Gene Segura, our big buy on offense, is back Friday, I believe. But Marcus Simeon, kiss him goodbye. He's gone for like six weeks. Wrist surgery, not good. Yeah. So hopefully, so I'm sitting there every day thinking, wow, the White Sox cannot call up Yohan Moncada soon enough. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. So, nothing, nothing in this league has ever been won or lost in April, ever. I mean, I, because I will go back to 2006. Um, the first time we won this thing, we were in absolute dead last place on June 1st with no hope. I mean, it was, oh boy, another year not in the money because that had, you know, it was the fifth year for us, and this was going to be the fifth year out of the money. And wow, I'm just hemorrhaging money in this league. And oh boy, wouldn't you know it, our entire team just decided for the month of June to just do everything, and we went from last to first in a month. And we could very easily go out, and all of our great pitching could fall apart, and uh, all our guys could get hurt, and you know, we could we could go from third where we are right now to last in it, an it, it instant. It, it, this is a very cruel and unforgiving game that we play. Uh, one one person of note I want to highlight. Uh, I'm sure you know who I'm going to highlight. If we want to talk about like a superstar on our team right now, oh my God, James Paxton. Lights out. Uh, AL Player of the Week last week, James Paxton. Yeah, knew this guy was. Pretty good. Didn't see this coming. When they finally start to develop, it's it's a great feeling. When you have these kids that you keep on your uh, keeper list and uh, keep an eye on them and hope that they develop and you see them 
uh, he and Taiwan Walker for a couple of years in Seattle were yeah. like the 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 absolute poster boys for potential arm talent. Like you could see the potential every time they took the mound, they were just so inconsistent and, and just drove you crazy. And finally Taiwan Walker drove them so crazy. They shipped them off to Arizona, but they held on to Paxson and gave him another chance in the rotation. And so far is so good. He, he's, he has absolutely been outstanding. Yes. Uh, 21 scoreless innings to start the year. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not too bad. Yeah, when, when it all comes together, it all comes together at once sometimes. It, it, it works like that sometimes. So def- definitely of, of all the of all the talent that we acquired or or lack of talent that we acquired, uh definitely if we if we have an MVP here early in the season, uh he's it because he's he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, it, and you know, he could go out in his next start and give up eight earned. It, it could happen. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the nature of the beast. Oh, you mean like me, uh, having Ian Kennedy in my, uh, online mixed league for his first couple of starts and saying, okay, he's not getting it done right now and throwing him away and then watching him <laughs> go oh. like eight innings with one hit and, and 11 <laughs> strikeouts or something like that. His last start for my, for, you know, for, for nobody. Cause he was on the waiver wire. Exactly like that. Yeah. You just never know. So that's the, so that was what I took away from the experience. It's always good to go and see everybody and uh, everyone's a year older and we, we'd all think we're a year wiser, but we all seem to fall back on our habits and are we, we all know the players that each other likes. And I mean, it really is poker. I mean, you really are sitting there with, with you know, bidding and throwing in bids and you know, we were throwing in a lot of ninja bids this time. Uh, we wait until the very end and, and then throwing one in uh, a few times. It got us the player we wanted a couple of times. It just pulled more money out. You can't, you can't lose, right? Uh, if you're okay with getting the person at that number, you can't lose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know our buddy, uh, our buddy Bill, uh, you, you affectionately call him the loser. Uh, he almost twice, uh, I believe it was once for sure, uh, almost got stuck with somebody ridiculously expensive who would have ended his, well, basically taken all his money away and ended his day. And he, he ended up finally going one too many. Um, and it happened to him finally a little later on in the draft, but it, that was a strategy, you know, we'll see. That was probably the surprise of the draft or the big news item. If there is a news item is loser who usually leaves a shitload of money on the table because he's being too conservative and drops out of a lot of bids. Didn't leave any money on the table this year. He spent everything he had and it's a different strategy for him. It was a, it was a brave new world for loser. So We'll see how that works out at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's always got a new strategy, always coming up with new ways to lose at fantasy <laughs> baseball. That's why he's the loser. Um, and, and as far as our team, we knew we were walking into the Matrix before the draft began. We knew we needed power, and we knew we had openings at all the infield spots. And that's yeah. usually not a, co- a good combination. And that's how you wind up with a $34 Gene Segura 
uh, and uh, however much Marcus Simeon cost was he eighteen or something like that? Yeah, eighteen, I believe it was. And you know, the, getting hurt it, it, it happens. There's nothing you can do about it, but uh, you, you have to take those chances. There's not a lot of middle infielders that have any potential of twenty homers at all, and we basically. Uh, spent most of our money on a couple of guys that had the potential to do that. Um, you know, it's it's what you got to do. You know, you recognize what you need before the draft, and you know what you got to do to to fill those holes. So you go out and and you do what you got to do. Uh, we had a couple of other shots in the dark, uh, trying to get some power. Uh, you kind of surprised me by going as high as five dollars on the great Joey Gallo. Uh, yeah. So you, we, we got the big man in, in the mix, and it's somewhat working out because of the fact that at the time of the auction, I thought Adrian Beltre, the Rangers third baseman, would be back sooner than he was, and it winds up he had a setback with his calf, so he's been remaining out. He should have been back by now, but he's still trying to work his way back from that. So Gallo's been getting the playing time. Uh, he hasn't been producing consistently. He's got a couple of homers. He's got, he's got a couple of stolen bases as well, which doesn't make much sense. But hey, we'll take it. Um, but yeah, the the big man, uh, as I as I've been telling you off the air, and I've been saying it on the air, I see yeah. the big man Joey Gallo come in here to Memphis uh, playing AAA baseball, and I've seen him hit balls pretty much into the Mississippi River uh, the last couple of years, and. I said it on our baseball preview show. I'm sick of seeing that. He needs to be in the major leagues. Even if he completely stinks as far as putting the ball in play with regularity, as far as his batting average, as far as his on-base percentage, it might be bad. But I really don't think he was going to be helped by staying in AAA and working on it. Some guys uh, obviously only get better when you get them up there to the top level and they struggle against that top level competition and then adjust and kind of like put it together and figure it out. And I thought that he had reached that stage that he needed to be up there anyway. Um, so that was the reason I was surprised uh, that you went as high as so that was because it appears that the Rangers were, are ready to keep Gallo back down in the minor leagues. It appears that he made the team only to, take Beltre's place at third base because Beltre was hurt. I, th I think he would have started the, uh, the year in AAA again, if not for the injury. So uh, that, that was the risk that we, and we talked about it before the draft, the risk of drafting Joey Gallo is you may get him cheap because no one thinks he's a full timer. Uh, and he might get sent right back down in a week or two and he might spend most right. of the year down there. And so that's sort of a, a little bit of a waste, but the upside is huge. If he's huge, uh, if he does stay up and put up the power numbers that he's capable of putting up and actually gets better and finds himself in position for a full-time gig, maybe starting next year or at least part-time, maybe, you know, platoon DH or something like that. Now you have him for, you, know, you have a power hitting guy, a potential big power hitting guy for a very low, very low price. And you decided to take the plunge. So I, I commend you for, for that. Cause I don't think I would add the balls to do that. Oh, <laughs> you did. Five didn't seem like a huge gamble. I mean, it was it, it was better to buy him at five in my estimation. There wasn't a lot there. I mean, we 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 you know just the way the ebb and the flow of the way everything was going. It the, there there were there were buying opportunities, but 
we ended up sort of doing doing one of our old tricks and just kind of spreading the money out um, in, in multiple places. And, and there's power. There's power in our lineup. You know, Gallo's a source of power. Chris Carter, if he could uh, get some more playing time, because what he has played so far, he hasn't produced too much. But you know that there's 30 home runs in that bat with, with decent playing time. Um, very streaky, very streaky hitter. Um, Evan Gaddis hasn't hit a bomb yet. We know there's 25, 30 home run power there. Um, although he's hitting for a decent average. So right now he's, he's hitting for a decent average, which should keep him getting some playing time. Um, just no, just no big power. And, and, and Justin Upton seems to always start slow. <laughs> um, but not as slow as he had in, in, in like last year. So this year it's slow, but it's not there. So you don't know. You don't really get a sense of how your team is going to hit until the weather warms up. You know, there are some, I'm sure there's some flash in the pan guys out there right now around the league that are doing things nobody expects to help inflate some teams' numbers. Um, it, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a roller coaster for us watching watching our offense all year. I'm sure we'll put, we'll, we'll patch together a decent week or two and it'll pull us up in the rankings. And then we just need to try to, pick up some points and cling to them for dear life. Pretty much. Another one of those weird things that happens at these auctions is some players who aren't very consequential, but they have funny names or there's a funny story behind them or something wind up getting talked about all throughout the draft. And then you get to the end of the draft, you look up and you realize the the, the player wasn't even drafted that was being made fun of. So it, that's happened a few times before. <laughs> so this year we had the, uh, I don't know why commit uh, the commissioner of the league and the auctioneer, Marty Horn were cracking themselves up and constantly joking all throughout the draft about uh, Mariners backup catcher, Jesus Sucre, uh, whose name translates loosely to Jesus sugar. I, th- I think, or maybe not even loosely, maybe literally uh, to Jesus Sugar. I just kept waiting for them to throw out $1 for Jesus Sugar and start cracking up. Uh, maybe it's because uh, our commission is, is Jewish and found extra uh, extra humor in the name. I don't know. Uh, but they kept talking about Jesus Sugar and, and laughing and giggling. And we got through the draft and we got through uh, the, the ultra draft where you can t- pick up anybody uh that hasn't been drafted as well as any minor leaguer. And we got all the way to the end and I looked up and we're about to get up and get ready to leave. And I realized no one drafted Jesus sugar. Well, how could you not draft Jesus sugar after talking about him the entire draft? So uh, now I'm, now I got a new favorite player. Now I'm hoping all year that we get some Jesus sugar in our life and, and he puts on a, a hitting streak. And, and if not uh, the Mariners, triple a team is Tacoma that is in the Pacific coast league here with Memphis. Uh, perhaps Jesus sugar gets sent down and I, and I get to see him come to Memphis and, and play and, oh, and show off his nice. swing. And, you know, just one of those little things that if, if he does play, I'll giggle every time his name gets announced and I'll probably take a picture <laughs> of him and, and put it on my Facebook and, and the great share Jesus little, sugar, share a little Jesus sugar with everybody. You can never go wrong with Jesus sugar. What we did have that we could uh, consume at the draft was some more Lou Malnati's pizza, which is always uh, top-notch. Uh, very big fan of that. I, I basically had a pizza-filled weekend in Chicago because my 
uncle had ordered Giordano's pizza for when we arrived oh. the night before the, the the auction. So, oh boy, uh, Giordano's all Friday night, Lumalnati Saturday morning slash afternoon, some more Giordano's when I got home Saturday night. I could have, if I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't married, if I was a bachelor and my wife wasn't squeamish about health issues, I would have taken that Giordano's, the leftover Giordano's and wrapped it up in some foil and threw it in the back of the car and drove it back here to Memphis, Tennessee and eaten it after I got back, after I'd been in the back of the car for eight hours and gone through God knows what kind of process back there. I don't care. I would have eaten it. I've eaten more disgusting things than pizza that's been in a car for eight hours. Trust me. Uh, I, I don't want to know. Actually, that reminds me of, a, do you remember in high school uh, when we were, uh, I, I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were sitting next to me when it happened. I was with other people who witnessed it. So maybe you witnessed it or maybe not. Do you remember sitting in the lunchroom, one of the lunchrooms in the morning uh, during a high school day and me finding, I think, sitting on a chair, a an aluminum foil wrapped slice of pizza just from out of nowhere. Like it was just a magic piece of pizza that appeared. I had no idea who it belonged to, who left it there. I it just, there's a piece of pizza sitting there in the lunchroom wrapped in aluminum foil. Do you remember me opening it up and eating that slice of pizza? That was a complete foreign slice of pizza from somewhere from a complete stranger. Did you remember me doing that? Don't remember that. Okay. And that you sounds that like been... something I would remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that sounds like something I would do, which it, it, it does. It, it does sound like something I would do. And I did it. And I know I did it. Yeah, was there's it, a chance you weren't there. Was it warm pizza? No, it was room temperature. Could have been there all it night. Been, it could have been dropped there the, the day before. Out of somebody's lunch, uh, out of somebody's book bag, and just sat there all night. More than likely, oh, it was man. probably uh, <laughs> somebody that probably is, dropped it out of their bag that, that day, that early that morning. Yeah, that was not bright, but I survived. Uh, but I mean, when I'm, I think I'm, about the about the most disgusting thing I've I've well, it wasn't disgusting. It was it tasted great. So I'm, disgusting isn't the right word, but the strangest. I don't know exactly what word would you describe to is it wasn't disgusting and it was it's not exactly strange. It's just it's risky, I guess. The riskiest thing I ever put in my mouth. Uh, I, I guess that would be the. <laughs> you know, there's a whole other conversation we could. I don't know if this. <laughs> yeah, we're we're completely straddling the line, about to tip over into into X-rated when we start talking about disgusting things being put in our mouths, but. Um, uh, uh, what what would you, uh, if you have any memories of something risky or disgusting on the G-rated side that you've ever uh, ingested? Or maybe on the purpose? weirdest food you've ever eaten? <laughs> yeah. Or not. I, I can definitely say on accident. I can, I, 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 because I believe every single one of us at some point fell victim to Indian stew. Um Oh no, I never did because I you, oh, love you my chocolate never... milk. No, no, no. <laughs> I love my chocolate milk, and I I know you guys, and I know you disgusting bastards. And so every carton of chocolate milk I got, I checked it before 
you know, yeah, before I started we, we got a lot of we got a lot of people with that one. Um, yes, you definitely did. And describe Indian stew for the uninitiated. Indian stew. Uh, this is back at the wonderful uh, Skinner. Was it Ma- Magnet ed- Elementary School? Well, that was cl- no, so had- uh, Skinner was classical. Whitney Young was a classical, magnet high school. Right. Skinner Classical Elementary School. Um, like classic Coke. And now um, apparently yeah. there's Skinner 2. Now you have Skinner 2. Um, and then there was Skinner Classic. Um, <laughs> which we learned when we uh, met our football fan rush uh, cohorts. No, Indian stew was basically we would take a milk carton, usually chocolate milk, uh, while somebody was not paying attention at another table, you know, off doing something, but it was a sealed carton. We would unseal the carton, fill it, uh, drink some of it <laughs> fresh, <laughs> and then start and then start taking our lunch and whatever it was putting it into the chocolate milk container and then sealing up the container as good as we could, because there's still some residual moisture on the content on the carton and, and sealing it up and making it look brand new and putting it back exactly where it was. And then, Oh, every once in a while, somebody mm. would open up that chocolate milk and just start guzzling the wonderful creation that we had made for them. We we had we 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 called it Indian stew. I believe we may have discussed this once once on the show before. But uh probably as far as just disgusting, I I, I remember going um for uh Japanese food and going to a you know hibachi style restaurant and sitting down and ordering something called golden shrimp. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and you basically watched them put these awesome pieces of shrimp out on their out on their grill. And all of a sudden they bring out this stuff. And it looks like a combination of like just straight butter and like almost like a custard. If you can oh imagine. Gosh. And just they take it out and they spoon out like a gigantic heaping piece of this stuff onto the pieces of shrimp and they line them up like six across big piece of shrimp this is a decent sized piece of shrimp this isn't like little cocktail shrimp this is a big piece of shrimp they put this much stuff the size of the shrimp they scoop it out and then they plop it on there and then let it cook and it looks like snot (laughs) (laughs) and I'm thinking I'm that's what I ordered I ordered a combination dinner of steak or chicken and golden shrimp. Golden shrimp. It sounded really good. And I'm watching yeah, them slap like this stuff on there. Them. It looks like the most disgusting thing you've ever seen. And it's got the consistency, basically, like I said, of, of snot. Like really thick snot sitting on top of this stuff. And I'm like oh my god what am i what am i doing and you know i get it and they put it on my plate and it's like oh you know i paid like 30 dollars for this dinner <laughs> so might as well try a, a a piece of what looks like a little seafood heart attack with all with this stuff that they put on there and goddamn that shit was amazing <laughs> 
So you can't judge. So you, I thought I was going to eat something horrible. And to this day, I go to Japanese restaurants and I miss my golden shrimp. So it was disgusting by visual aspects to, to put in your mouth, but it tasted yes. fabulous. And, and the texture wasn't there. Right. It, it did not, it did not have a good texture, but it tasted absolutely incredible. So hmm. not quite the way the story was going, but probably not the way you thought it was going. So I, I, I put a little curve in there for you, put a little swerve yeah. started horrible and ended great. Butter custard. I don't then, know what it is. It's, it's got to be like some, some, some secret. I can't say ancient Chinese secret because it's a Japanese restaurant. But it, it's <laughs> got to be some, some, some like, like, like the secret sauce. Whatever that stuff is, and for all I know, it's just straight butter. <laughs> and this is like Paula Deen Japanese food, e- English shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> Just butter, baby. Just spread all that butter on that shrimp, and mm, boy, you can eat it up. Have your black maids bring it out to you. It's so good. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would even have tried shrimp, but with with uh, with a butter custard type of with butter snot. Did you know that's what it was when you ordered it? You just saw golden shrimp and just didn't yeah, you didn't you, know what it was, but it yeah, sounded good. It sounded good. I like shrimp. It's golden shrimp. It <laughs> was not the color. It wasn't the color of like your stick of bar, butter or margarine. You you can you know what I'm talking about. You all you like the country crock or your regular stick of butter. You know you know that sort of like creamy yellow. It, it's like it, it's yeah. a, it's a very off. Yeah. This was the color of popcorn butter. It was almost <laughs> okay. orange. <laughs> that does sound disgusting. Yes, and tastes and absolutely incredible. A thick and I'm, and I'm orange and I'm, globular substance and, on my yeah. shrimp. I, no, that that does not sound good. And as we're as we're sitting here right now, I'm watching you, Darvish, just deal. Uh, he's just dealing. He's dealing Japanese butter. Speaking of Japanese food, I'm while I'm doing this while I'm watching you, Darvish bitch. What is the cons- what is what is golden shrimp? What goes into golden shrimp? Uh, and what is the most disgusting thing you've ever put in your mouth? G-rated version. Six four six five nine five four five three four. Light up those phone lines. If one person calls, I would be so shocked. Um, no, yeah, because they're not going to answer the G-rated question. You're going to get Sebastian calling. No, 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 no. <laughs> our first caller. Don't, Come on, our first ever caller. Even Sebastian's going to call there. and tell you what the most disgusting thing was that he ever put in his mouth. <laughs> and I'm going to have to immediately probably, cut him that off. Probably, yes, that probably was viscous like popcorn butter, too. Okay, uh, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I asked for that. What what were we talking about? How do we get there again? Um, so we had the, uh, the 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 auction draft. We went through uh, that long day. Uh, 
lot of fun, but always a lot of work, always leaves you a little tired. And all throughout the morning and the afternoon through the draft, I am texting back and forth with Renard from Football yes. Fan Rush Radio. I decided uh, earlier in the week, uh, a week before, uh, I, I contacted Cass and I asked her, hey, we're going to be in Chicago in a week or so. You want to come get a couple of drinks or something, hang out, meet for the first time? And she said, okay. And we started talking throughout the week and trying to set it up. And Renard got involved uh, on the text with me. And they finally, uh, I didn't actually know if they were going to come up with anything because by the time Saturday came around, uh, they hadn't really gotten back to me with anything concrete. They just said they were interested in meeting up, but I was waiting on them to sort of give me, you know, the next step, where do you want to meet or what time or what have you? And they finally got back to me and Renard sent me a link to a place uh, near downtown, uh, sort of around Greek town in Chicago called Jack's tap and clicked on the link, showed it to you, checked it out, said, yeah, it looks okay. And so we decided to head over to Jack's tap after we left the auction draft. Now that trip wound up being a little bit of a, of a journey for me because as I did the year before I left out of uh, where we had our, our draft at, uh, at the great Siegel's apartment building uh, up there in Lincolnwood. And I headed towards the different expressways and I got on the wrong one and I started heading North when I wanted to head South. So I had to go, about two and a half miles north and get off and turn around because I have no sense of direction because once again, for those of you not familiar with my story, I didn't start driving until the age of 35. So I don't know where I'm going most times. If not for uh, GPS and whatnot, I would be so lost all the time. But anyway, so if you were wondering, I hadn't even told you that. So if you were wondering why you got to Jack's Tap and waited like a half hour, or well, how long were you waiting uh, for for us? We left at the same a time, long but time. yeah, I was waiting. We left at the same time. time. I, mean, I got I got asked so many times while I was waiting if I wanted my table, if I wanted a table, and I was like, no, because I was I was waiting so long. I was starting to even wonder if you guys were showing up. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't blame you. You left the same time as me, and you got to be standing there 20, 30 minutes going, where the fuck is this dude? What, what happened to him? Yeah, um, and not just you. I was also waiting for uh, Bernard Cairns. Bernard So I was like, okay, uh, I'm just here. They had actually texted me during that and said, we're running late, traffic is a bitch, and I texted back you don't know the half of it because at that moment that texted me i was sitting in the middle of traffic and we may have been sitting in the middle of the same traffic out there uh, on on that expressway coming from up north uh but it was bad the traffic was bad the, the starting out going two and a half miles the wrong way didn't help at all but it was it was still bad um and as it turned out renard and Cass literally showed up at the same time that i did by the time i made it there and parked i was trying to read the meters and figure that situation out and so i put my money in and then i start heading towards the door of jack's tap and i recognize even though i haven't seen renard since sixth grade i actually recognized him uh, getting out of the car and said what's up and and we wound up arriving at exactly the same time so that was very uh just completely uh, uh 
coincidental that we wound up getting there at the same time. I meant to get there around the same time you did because we left again at the same time, but I got turned around and went the wrong way. Anyway, so that's what happened with that. But Renard and Cass met us at Jack's Tap, and we proceeded to set, sit down for the next what, three hours, basically, and shoot three the shit hours, and just, yeah. had, just had a great time. I, I loved hanging out with those guys and talking uh, about sports, about school days, about what's going on in the city nowadays. The biggest thing that stood out to me was Cass describing to me her eyewitness account of being down at the NFL Combine and checking out uh, – the guys that are, that are that were working out down there that are about to get drafted uh, coming up next Thursday. And she confirmed with her eyes what I had been sort of, and I don't watch college football at all, but what I had been sort of reading and, and observing from a lot of the draft discussion and mock drafts and whatnot, which is it's a really weak year for wide receivers and it's a really strong year for defensive backs. So apparently the defensive backs were beating the snot out of the wide receivers uh, down at the combine and, and all of the drills down there. So, uh, and, and that backs up the fact that there's going to be a, about, I don't know, seven or eight, I believe defensive backs drafted in the first round uh, is what the projections are saying. So that was very interesting to me to have somebody that was actually there with boots on the ground, witnessing this and, and sort of backing up what I had been hearing. So, so that was pretty cool. Right. And it's just, I, I think it all ends up being part of the snapback that we end up seeing with, with all sports is that things all shift one way. So, you know, we, we go through a period here now over the last few years where it's been, you know, explosive offenses, figure this out. You, it, it, and now we're starting to see it snap back. We're starting to see it go to the other side. Now we're starting to see teams focusing on, you know, let's not just focus on on scoring more than the high-powered team. Let's focus on stopping the team. And now we're starting to see it come back the other way. And now I think, you know, now we're starting, maybe we'll start to see a little bit more with dynamic offense. And, you know, with, with college, college is the pipeline to the pros. So what are they going to be looking for in the pros? What is every team going to always be looking for? They're going to be looking for the ability to shut down the, what the best thing is that these other teams can do and most teams all they can do is throw the football you know there's no there's very little emphasis on the running game anymore so with with with, with all the high flying offense and all the rules set up for offense it's not surprising excuse me it's not surprising to me that we're starting to see all of the talent being developed in college going that way too it's it's just all you know. It's all part of the system in the back and forth. You know, it the other you know, we you could end up seeing where it's going to be all pass rushers or it's going to be all DBs. I think I think it's going to happen in the secondary more than anything. Uh, you know, where you get your where you get more of the premier athletes. So it's not surprising to me. I wonder. If there's uh, something going on as well with the way college teams are trying to play and trying to win games, because that doesn't jive with NFL development necessarily with all these spread offenses, uh, making stars out of wide receivers who may not be all that good, but because everyone's spread out, they get all this space that they're not going to get in the NFL. They get all the space to perform. 
and they shoot up the draft board because, oh, look at how great he is in space. Well, you don't have that space all the time. And so what's happening now, there's not that many spread offenses doing as well as they had the last few years. It looks to me, and again, I don't watch college football that closely, but it looks to me like you know, those late night scores when you when you're a degenerate gambler like I was and you're sitting up there watching the ESPN scoreboard go by and you're seeing Hawaii winning over UTEP 60 to 53 or something like that. Those yeah. scores weren't quite as prevalent this season. So I think maybe college coaches are starting to learn the spread offenses and learn how to shut them down. And maybe as a result, the defensive backs are being built up and, and getting higher profiles because of the things that they're being trained to do because these coaches now have to really focus and try on trying to stop all these spread offenses. So I don't know if it's because of that or if it's just a coincidence that there just happens to be a weak crop of wide receivers this year and a weak crop of defensive backs. I'm not sure which way the trend is going, but I'll definitely be keeping my eye out next season to see if that continues. Yeah. And it'll be interesting as we, uh, as we go through watching the draft, you know, if we're talking about a lot of, a lot of players in the back end, a lot of, you know, making a big uh, look, expecting to make a big impact. You don't start, you don't draft corners and safeties, you know, and, and DBs in the first round and not play them. You know, yeah, you're not drafting these their, guys to be, you, yeah, you're going to find out, right you're not out drafting there. these guys. going to get their chance to shut down the top receivers uh, in the league right away. They're going to get stuck right on them. And, okay, you got him, and, and we're going to let everything else develop. And you got guys like Josh Norman that have come up and become a shutdown corner, sort of not not late in their career, but sort of halfway through his career at the end of his first contract. All of a sudden he develops into this great shutdown corner, gets the big contract from the, from the Redskins. Uh, I think guys like that, those shutdown, the guys that you want to put on one side of the field, Richard Sherman is another example, put on one receiver, put on the best receiver on the field and just leave them there and isolate them and say, you got him and we'll worry about the other three, three quarters or two thirds of the field. Guys like that, going way back to Deion Sanders, you, you had to draft them in the first round. Uh, you couldn't wait until the second, third, fourth round to, to get those guys because they weren't around back in the day. But as the offensive explosion happened the last uh, couple decades, it was a lot more of a premium on those receivers and those offensive weapons and coinciding with the rules changes in the NFL. Let's open up the offense. Let's do all we can. It seems to give the defense disadvantages. Uh, of course you want to get the best wide receivers. Of course you want to get the best offensive players, uh, and the quarterbacks go, goes, goes along with that. The fact that every year now, whoever the top rated quarterback is, is seems to be guaranteed to go one or two or three uh, in the draft, no matter how good he actually might be. Uh, and this year, the golden boy appears to be, was his, was his name Mitch Trubisky or Mitchell Trubisky uh, from North Carolina. There's, you never heard of him, but all of a sudden he's being, his name's being thrown around as if he's going to be drafted number two uh, after Miles Garrett or uh, potentially. Uh, and, and we keep seeing that. But with the emphasis on offense, 
those defensive backs, those shutdown corners that you would draft in the first round have been sort of falling off the last few years. And also the hard-hitting safeties that that cut off the back half of the field by uh, knocking the heads off anybody that comes their way. Those seem to be uh, getting devalued as well. So maybe there's going to be a bounce back of those guys as well in the next few years. Like I said, I want to keep an eye out to see if this is a one-year trend or if it's going to continue uh, where you emphasize more getting those defensive backs that are going to really change the game, change a game just by being there on the field, just with their presence, uh, which is going to be more and more important as the NFL uh, continues down this road of, of emphasizing offense the way they have. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's going to be interesting to see because it's just it's, it's, it's this just constant change you know it, that's and that's one of the things i do like it's 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 nice that we've been able to kind of flush football out of our system and we're going to get our little our little dose of it here sort of our you know halfway kind of thing you know before you know we've been about three months removed from the football season we got a good three more months to go before we start to ramp up towards football season and it's good to get a little football talk in again so it, I'm getting, you know, getting kinda a little excited over here, getting a little jacked get a little up, getting, getting a little ready. Yeah. For sure. You know, we, we, we get that, you know, I've, I've gotten the, I've gotten that Super Bowl out of my, the, the taste of that out of my mouth. I've, I've, I've actually avoided like all football since then. I, I figured that that was the best way to do it. To, to just yeah, be done with that. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have to, I didn't, it, and it wasn't so much with, with Atlanta choking and blowing it or all the reasons they lost. It, it's, it's all the Tom Brady and the Patriots filleting that I, that I just <laughs> didn't want a part of. And I was, I was glad to see of the, that the four of us sitting at that table um, between me and you and Cass and Renard all sitting around the table uh, were, were fairly, uniform in our opinion of the Patriots and of Tom Brady and all that, which is they're, they're, they're good, but they're not all time, you know? I mean, or, and that Belichick is more all time than Brady is. And and, and I was, I was surprised to hear that because that'd probably get you shot in Boston. (laughs) No, we weren't in Boston. We were in Chicago. Uh, Yeah. You and Renard are absolutely uh, right out front leading the Tom Brady is not the goat parade. Yeah, we yeah, are. I agree. If there was a parade right through Boston, there'd be me and him with the, with the banners <laughs> and the, you know, and everything locking. The we'd, picture of a goat with a slash through it, not the goat. That's right. I'd be the 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 grand marshal of the Tom Brady is not the goat parade. Since we're on football, uh, little slight turn on our on our road on the kings of non sequitur. Uh, really the only football thing this off season that even interested me even a little was the uh, little bit of Colin Kaepernick discussion. The fact that he's still unsigned uh, as of this date. And there are so many quarterbacks that make me gag, probably make you gag. Just thinking about if they're, if the starting quarterback got hurt, I'm putting this guy in as my backup, whether it's uh, EJ Manuel or Oh God, Geno Smith or total fraud or, or several other names that have been signed as backup quarterbacks this off season. And yet Colin Kaepernick has not been signed. Um, and wondering if that's because of his protesting and 
do owners think that they would have a, a tough sell to to their loved ones or to their fan base uh, if they were bring in a man that would be so heinous as to kneel for the national anthem or whatever. Um, and the, the thing that I didn't like about the discussion is that both sides uh, seem to me to, to, to be flawed. The people arguing that Colin Kaepernick was not being blackballed did not make any sense to me at all. They didn't make any logical explanation to me as to how you can think Colin Kaepernick is not uh, being singled out for, for his stance and his beliefs. When you look at, like I said, that list of names of quarterbacks that, that have been signed, uh, of course Colin Kaepernick deserves to be signed over most, if not all, of, of those names and, and some other names that I didn't even call out. Uh, even as a third stringer, uh, there's some third string guys that have been signed too that it's like, really? Really? Over over Kaepernick? He, was he really that bad? But at the same time, there's a couple of people that I heard argue for Colin Kaepernick uh, that he, he should be signed. And they didn't make sense to me either because their arguments were, and it seemed to be uniform, it's, it's almost as if they compared notes and got on the same page. There was for a, a couple of weeks there, seemingly a, a, a handful of hosts, of talk show hosts, uh, podcast hosts and whatnot, all arguing the same thing in favor of Colin Kaepernick, which was, hey, I just looked at Colin Kaepernick's numbers from last season, and they were pretty good. He wasn't all that bad. His <laughs> passer rating was whatever it was, and his touchdown-interception ratio was whatever it was. And I didn't like – I don't like that argument either. Did you watch him fucking play? If you watch Colin Kaepernick play, not just last season, but the seasons before that, what have we been talking about on this show? Ever since Colin Kaepernick had that unbelievable playoff run with that incredible playoff game against the Packers, finishing off with that game against the uh, the Ravens in the Super Bowl in which they almost won the title under uh, Jim Harbaugh. What have we been talking about since then? We've been talking about the steady decline of Colin Kaepernick's play quarterback play, not athletic play, but actual quarterback skills, quarterback play ever since then. His skills have gone down or plateaued, stagnated ever since that playoff run several years ago. And last year wasn't any different. Colin Kaepernick did not play very well last year. Not at all. But no. but people want to look at a few numbers. It's, it's almost like I don't want to cast aspersions and, and make it seem like I'm, I'm putting uh, Colin Kaepernick and, and whoever his agent is out there on blast or something, but it almost felt like Colin Kaepernick or his agents or his people were contacting a bunch of talking heads around the country saying, Hey, Hey, you want to look at this stat and this stat and, and talk about my guy and say it, that he wasn't that bad and he actually played pretty well. And if it wasn't for Chip Kelly, maybe he would have had more success. It, it felt like a, a whisper campaign like that to try to build uh, Colin Kaepernick back up as something that he's not. He's he's not terrible, but he's not good. Let's not pretend like he's good just trying to, to steer the argument the other way in favor of Colin Kaepernick. Let the numbers and and the and the film 
speak for themselves. Don't cherry pick a few numbers to, to build his case because that makes you look as bad as the people that are slamming him and acting like he's the worst guy in the world for, for kneeling for the anthem. I don't I didn't like the argument either way there. Yeah, a couple of things happen here with that. One, he's he's horrible. I mean, so there's that. Yeah, was his quarterback rating okay? Sure. Colin Kaepernick has basically devolved. And, and honestly, I don't think he's devolved. I think he had a quick run, and then everybody adjusted and figured him out, and he's never been able to adjust to the adjustment and continue on into evolving as a quarterback because his whole game is either take the snap and go, just snap, go, 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 run, run, run. Don't even look to throw. Just basically be a, you're a running back or one read. And if that guy's covered, run. <laughs> <laughs> not, you know, not creatively. You know, I, he hasn't really ever shown me that playmaking ability to extend the play with his feet consistently and, and, and use that as a weapon. His, his main thing is just run. And, and everybody wants to talk about that game. He played against the Packers. We ran for 180 some yards. He didn't get tackled for 180. His, his yak, his yards after contact was like zero right. because he pretty much just took the snap and just ran. And he was untouched through that Packers secondary, and and nobody had seen anything like that before. Like, oh, look at this! This this, this guy's the greatest. And then teams started taking that away, and he got bad, and he got bad real quick. Which then has the op the, the other function, I should say, the, the the second thing that happens, which is play decreasing. Unfortunately, means that when you have for good or for bad, the off-field stuff or technically on-field stuff before the game, plus his, plus he's had his little PR <laughs> um, issues that we've highlighted on this show before. Um, when you have that, unfortunately what that does is that that raises the level that you have to play at to keep a job or get a job. He's and so basically, you know, he's he's not he's obviously clearly at the the Mark Sanchez or any of the McClown McClown whatever's levels that he could have a job. But what happens is the threshold gets higher when you have baggage, and he's clearly got that. So now he's not that good. He's also a little bit damaged. Um, you know, they had wonders about he'd lost a lot of weight. They had wonders about his arm strength. You add all of that, and and I think that this has become a very risk adverse league. Um, you know, you, you really see the business side of it more than anything, and I don't think a team one wants to take him on as a player risk, and then have him not be a good player. Basically, have him as a backup, and now he's also unfortunately he's made, you know the sideshow before the game because all the cameras have to go to him immediately as soon as they start playing the anthem and they're all there, there's Kaepernick taking his knee. Um, and, and that, and then so again, somewhat of a media creation for our news cycle. 
we talk about this and hammer on this all the time. And then there's the other part of it, which is teams just don't want to take, excuse me, teams don't want to take on the negative press. Sorry, I hiccuped there. <laughs> it happens. Uh, that was another part of the political football being played with him was uh, the fact that he announced uh, through his people, I guess, that he was not going to kneel for the anthem next season. Uh, that he was going to go ahead and stand again. And I think he may have cited the progress well, being made has, in society or some other BS or whatever. What? What? So injustice yeah. has gone away? Uh, uh, apparently. Um, and so yeah. that's, I didn't because, like that because part. Just Because just when you think everything is feeling okay, just when, as soon as you have a slow news day, where you need to not have anybody paying attention to what's going on, like geopolitically, some, some, unarmed black folks are going to get shot by white cops because you can't go for too long without that getting thrown out there. Even though I'm sure it's still happening. They do. Yeah, I don't know if it's stopped or the news coverage is stopped about it. Exactly. And that'll get, it'll get pulled out the next time, you know, the, the old powers that be, um, need some race tension. Yeah, well, what do we got going on right now? We got to, because everything I've figured with with the news and with the media and with everything that goes on is just, it's the swerve. It's not the story that you got to pay attention to. It's the story, uh, you know, it's not the page one story, it's the page six story. Um, reminds me of when I, uh, I, I hit a dog with my car, and it wasn't the dog that ran in front of me. It was the dog, you know, because the dog ran in front of me. And I'm looking off to the side. It was the dog behind the dog that ran in front of me that came out and got clocked. It was the trailer because we were busy watching the, making sure the one that we missed was fine. Oh, oh, he's over there. And as soon as you turn your head back, there comes number two. I, I figured that that's, that's our media in a nutshell. <laughs> it's never, it's never the obvious story. It's all the stuff that goes on on the underneath that you never really pay any attention to. That really is the stuff that's Im- impacting people's lives. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. That's why I kind of am starting to shy away from national news because that's where it really happens. I think locally, when yeah. injustice happens like that, it gets covered. It's just that mm-hmm. it depends on if the national media has other things they want to cover or if they want to highlight that, like you say, uh, building the, the race tensions back up or whatever. Uh, is decides whether they pick it up or not because like you said it, it, i'm sure it's still happening if you uh go around the local coverages around the country i'm sure when it happens that locally it does get picked up it's just whether whether it gets picked up nationally uh depends on if there's other things being talked about at the time but as far as kaepernick that political football also didn't feel good to me because his supporters were trying to argue that kaepernick announcing that he was going to stand for the anthem because of society improvements was not because uh, he was getting ready to enter free agency. This is, I think, technically before he got released from his contract by the 49ers. It may have been like a day or two before that, that he announced that he was going to stand for the anthem. And people were actually arguing as if he did that for legitimate reasons and not because he was about to become a free agent and was trying to soften his position. Of course he was trying to soften his position. Of course he said right. that because uh, he was becoming a free agent. And the people arguing that he was doing that for any other reason, again, just 
that doesn't help your cause. That doesn't help your point when you say something so idiotic as, yeah, Ka Kaepernick just believes in society's direction and uh, believes that it's going in the right way now. What? No, that's that's just silly. So the, a lot of people on Kaepernick, and I'm, I consider myself sort of on Kaepernick's side. I, I want him to be signed. I think he is a, a, a decent quarterback prospect, and I can't help but get that uh, thought of, of his success under uh, Coach Insane Jim Harbaugh. I can't get that out of my mind. I can't just throw that away and say, well, he had that run, but he's just shit. He's, he's just horrible, as you described. I don't think he's horrible, but I think he does need to be in the right system with the right uh, people that can actually develop a quarterback. Uh, and Chip Kelly is not that guy, obviously. But and the people that are on his side do not do him any favors making bad arguments uh, for Colin Kaepernick. They don't do him any favors looking at certain numbers and ignoring everything else and ignoring the film and, and what he actually looked like out there uh, and trying to polish his knob and, and tell everybody that he actually played better <laughs> last year than I just looked at his numbers in March. This is in March. They were saying, it. I just looked at his numbers. He had a pretty good season. You just looked at his numbers in March. He hasn't played since December. Shut up. You're doing him more harm than good. Just shut up, please. One for five for four yards before being benched in the fourth quarter. That's, uh, that's all I need to know about Colin Kaepernick was that bear game. All right, we uh, have some things from uh, from previous shows that we should go back and clean up. The the sort of housekeeping that we do uh, after the blitz of shows that we have right after the uh, the Super Bowl ends, because we have the Super Bowl ending, we take a little break, and then we have the Oscar show, and then we have a, a March Madness where we pick the picks for the college basketball brackets, and then we have a WrestleMania preview show. And we have a baseball preview show, and then we wind up having to go out of town shortly after that to go do our, our auction draft here. So if we can go back in time a little bit and, and review some of the things that we talked about on our previous shows, the March Badness picks uh, wound up going my way this year on our brackets. Uh, I had 38 correct picks, and you had 30. You named your bracket not going to go well, and indeed uh, it did not go well. It did not go well. What happened exactly with the uh, – you, you had uh, uh, Villanova and Louisville yeah, as yeah. your two picks that you were going back and forth trying to figure out which one you wanted to pick to win the title. And on the show, on the March Badness preview show, you officially announced that you were picking Louisville. So then the tournament starts, and at that point I can see your bracket in our Yahoo group, and yeah. there you are with Villanova as your national <laughs> champions. That Yahoo site was really touchy. Like, if you just clicked on it, it would change it. And I think I may have clicked on it, and it changed it, and then it saved it. And the funny part about it wound up being that both Villanova and Louisville went down on the same day of the tournament. So it, it, it didn't completely matter. didn't matter for, for those purposes. Um, obviously, the uh, happiest moment of the tournament for anyone around the nation, uh, not in Cameron, North Carolina, would be watching Duke lose in the second round uh, at South Carolina, basically in a home game for South Carolina, which was a home game for South Carolina because it would have been a home game for Duke in North Carolina, except the tournament got moved out of North Carolina because they had those stupid 
bills that they were trying to pass uh telling you which bathroom that you have to use as if it's anyone's business but yours which bathroom you're using so those were those laws were so odorous that they decided to move the tournament out of north carolina into south carolina that's why the gamecocks wound up getting two home games in south carolina and duke going down in the second of those two home games so it's all north carolina's fault if they hadn't started passing stupid ass bathroom bills then they could have their games, uh, their tournament games in North Carolina and Duke may have had the, the normal home games that they have on, on opening weekend of the NCAA tournament with the normal bias that they normally have for, for Duke and North Carolina. Uh, and, and as it turns out, the University of North Carolina goes on from there to actually win the national title. So it all sort of worked out for the Carolinas anyway. But it was just funny watching Duke lose uh, in a game in which they thought, you know, last year or, or – uh, at the beginning of, the, of of last year, this this would be a tournament in North Carolina. This, these two games, and they probably would have games in that region in North Carolina, and they wound up being in South Carolina. I don't think Coach K was counting on that, and and it, that may have played a part in them losing to South Carolina in South Carolina. We don't care as long as they lose. Duke loses. That's all that matters. I didn't know that this whole bathroom thing was a thing. It just suddenly just cropped up. And you're right. It's dumb. Dumb on multiple fronts. It's also dumb on the front that don't you just go to the bathroom? No. Go in the men's room. Go in the ladies' room. Go to the bathroom. I didn't you didn't even know we needed laws about that sort of stuff. This is just what we've become. That's because we don't need laws about this kind of stuff. Oh, I mean, <sighs> if you're worried about it because you're the less, I mean, the the, the minimal minimal amount of people that are you know, classified as being, let's say, like, transgendered or, you know, you know whatever. Just just, just go. I mean, what's going to happen? <laughs> Nothing's going to happen as far as I'm concerned because I'm not checking anybody who's going to the bathroom. I don't care. Right. I literally don't care who's in the bathroom with me. It, it, it doesn't matter. I, I, I really don't care. Man, yeah, woman, like transgender, what have you. If you walked into the bathroom and there was a chick in the bathroom, a woman in the bathroom, would you? What? What? What more would you get than a sideways glance? Like, uh, okay, that's about what you. That's that's what it would be. Wouldn't it just be sort of like an awkward moment? Right, a raised eyebrow, and then you keep going yeah, about like, your what? business. Okay, yeah. and you walk out, you're like, hey, you know what? I just saw. <laughs> So well, the issue, the right? Uh, the the issue, I guess, becomes confusing to certain people when you make it a a bathroom in which it's somebody who looks like a chick but isn't. Say it's somebody with long hair right. wearing a dress, but is actually technically a, a a man who's transitioning into a woman and identifies as a woman, and then it becomes very confusing for a lot of people. But right, I guess my. My issue is either way, whatever is under that person's dress is that person's business. It's not my business. Right. I don't care. You know, this whole identity politics, this whole identity, like 
thing that's going on right now. Maybe, maybe I'm just getting old. Man, is it dumb. <laughs> I don't care what people identify as. I, I don't. So so could I say, well, you know what? I, I identify as, uh, as, as a nine-year-old Asian boy. <laughs> but wait. Uh, then you're... <laughs> all I have to do is say it, right? I don't actually have to be a nine-year-old Asian boy. Or I could just say I'm Asian. Well, no, you're not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm Asian. I, I could be like uh, the, 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 the two people who we've had who are both clearly white. That are that are that are black, and they're not. And now we can have. I, you can be whatever you want. You can identify as a man, a woman. I, I could identify as an Eskimo now. I was about to say you're right. steering into Rachel Dolezal territory. If you know who that is, I um, do. Rachel Dolezal and Sean King, my two favorite non-black black people. <laughs> So I, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't think they can get any benefit from identifying as black because they're not black. Uh, so that's a little different, I guess, but still yeah, confusing whole, because it's exactly it's identity politics or whatever you want to call yeah, it. If you if you're looking at a person with a penis and they're identifying as a woman, you know, yeah. now we're into the Caitlyn Jenner territory and you just kind of oh. scratch your head and go, um, what, but you're, um, you got, uh, but yeah. you got that, that, um, but, but you're a woman with that. So it, it, we are old. Let's, let's establish that we are old. Um, we're old and old guy there are a lot of right things now. Oh yeah. And there are a lot of things happening and people identifying that something that, we didn't have to deal with. We didn't know that this was a thing when we were younger, and now it it is a thing. Um, so I guess it's 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 a bit of of progress. It's a bit of social progress, but it's it's also very confusing for those of us who've never had to 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 confront it or deal with something like that. I guess what else? What I would just say is the same thing that I always say to there's there's people at my job. I'm down here in the south in in Memphis. There's people at my job who every time the subject of Caitlyn Jenner even gets brought up, uh, they almost get angry slash sad slash, you know, in tears uh, because they remember Bruce Jenner and they just feel so sad for the whole situation. And they go, I, you know, how can how can he do that to himself? How can he do that to the people around him who love him? And what I always try to say to them, but not to you know, forcefully because they're not going to really change their ways. But what I say is if you think you're having trouble dealing with all this, imagine how they feel. Imagine how Caitlyn Jenner must have felt all her life thinking that she was supposed to be a woman, even though she was born with junk. Uh, so however tough it is for us, it's really tough for Caitlyn Jenner and people like Caitlyn Jenner. And so I would just say, you know, let them deal with it the way they have to deal with it. Obviously there's things going on there. We don't know about, we know who we are and we should just thank our lucky stars for that because the people who think that there's something different, they're really going through hell. And I think uh, instead of 
uh, a lot of the judging and, and finger pointing and, and anger that we get uh, for a lot of those people, I think we should just kind of step back and just kind of say, hey, they're they're dealing with it and, you know, let them deal with it the way that they see fit. Yeah, it doesn't. And, and, and also, it doesn't have absolutely any impact on any of these people. It's just something to talk about. It's, it's really what it ends up being. Right, the people that are going on and on about it and uh, yeah. trying to figure out what what's going through her mind, what's going through his mind. What the, we don't really know. We, know. we can speculate, but we don't right. really actually know anything of what's going through their minds. So That's right. Only they know what would lead them to, to, to live the kind of life. But yeah, it's but the whole it's the whole identity thing. It, this has just become yeah, we, we you, you hate to say it's progressive. It sometimes it feels like it's it's progressive to the point of like just because we we we've gone past the point of actually wanting you know social change. Now it's just like well, just because we we're just gonna do things just because <laughs> we could just do it for what it doesn't matter. It's a free society. You can do whatever you want, and that, that that's it seems like the way that it's going. We've become the just because society. And if you don't like it, we'll drag you off an airplane and break your nose and, and beat you about the face and head. Oh, <laughs> that, that too. I, I don't know what the fuck that's about. Um, I don't fly very much, and I don't think you do either. Uh, you don't even like flying. As, as, little, um, as little as I can. This, I did not know the depths of what airlines do to you when they want you off their plane, even though you've already paid for a fucking ticket to be on their plane. I did not know the whole situation as far as if they're overbooked, what they call overbooked, which I call fraud, because if you have 80 seats and you sell 90, that's fraud. You don't have 90 seats. How are you selling 90 seats? If you have a 40,000 seat ballpark and you sell 40,002 tickets, and you don't tell those other two people, hey, by the way, you're going to be standing. That's fraud. If if you if I buy a seat and someone tells me no, you, you don't actually have a seat anymore because there's other people more important than you that now have those seats. Bullshit. Yeah. That's fraud. That's that's terrible. Uh, but apparently it happens all the time and I had no idea. And they knowingly do it. They purposely yeah. sell more seats than they have uh, than they have available. Because they're always expecting, apparently, maybe they've probably figured out there's just a certain percentage of people that just don't show up or don't make it in time. Um, but still, there are going to come those moments when you are overbooked. And if this is the policy, why does, why that guy? What made him the extra person when everybody on the plane technically is the extra person you just get on the radio uh to ladies and gentlemen you know this is the captain speaking uh this this flight is overbooked and and we have to make room for one more person you know would any of you like to like hey spend an extra night here on us or do something somebody is going to get up you know, if they said, hey, we're going to, you know, pay for your hotel. We're going to give you like a bunch of sky miles or whatever. Um, we'll put you up here for the night, uh, but we need to get somebody on, blah, blah, blah. At that point, 
so if everybody says no, guess what? Take right. off, and the person who's waiting at the terminal, they are the person who has to wait. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah, that that makes the most sense to me. The problem is the people waiting, I guess, were United employees, and therefore they had to be on that plane. <laughs> There's just no other option. So we have put, to put make them room in the cargo for a United hold. employee. Yeah, throw them underneath the plane. If they survive, they survive. <laughs> That's right. Put them underneath the, the luggage. I've watched plenty of movies. You can survive a cross-country trip in the wheel well. I mean, James Bond does that shit all the time. Sure. Yeah, that's not fantasy or anything. It's unbelievable that this is a, a not just a standard, like a standard business practice, but that it would come to something like that, that you have to physically drag the guy off the plane with such lack of care for his well-being that you've, like completely rough him up and put your employer uh, at liability for potentially millions and millions of dollars uh, in a lawsuit from this guy. So yeah. if, if, if nothing else, I'm thinking the, the good thing that's going to come out of this is at least for a while, at least for the next maybe year, two years or something like that, people getting thrown off of flights are probably going to get a king's ransom from airlines because nobody wants this publicity. United Airlines right now is getting like Samsung phone publicity, which is you don't want that kind of publicity because everybody knew what Samsung phones meant after a while. It meant you were going to be on fire. That's not good publicity. And right now for the last week, week and a half, United Airlines publicity has meant uh all these memes that have been on social media about, you know, training to get on a United flight and joining a fight club uh, and, and getting helmets. Everybody on the plane has helmet. There's been a million memes out there on social media. And then the newscasts have been completely dragging United down. You're getting about as bad a press as you could get without actually dropping an airplane in the ocean right now. And nobody wants that kind of press. So I think the next people that get pulled off a flight like that are probably looking at four, maybe even five figures of, of compensation because who wants this? Who needs this publicity? I think, yeah. I think this is going to be a nice little uh, uh, extra income for, for people who do this, uh, for, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I I'd love to be the person who could just you know I just I would just be getting airline tickets on like ridiculously like crowded flights like you know like the Boston Boston to New York or some of these places and then just as soon as the captain gets up I'm like oh me 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 hey, I'll take whatever you're gonna give me because yeah if they if they would they could have thrown somebody up in a hotel and given them a thousand dollars spending money right. Oh yeah. Instead of think about how much they're gonna lose, yeah, on just this, you know, beating this dude up. Yeah, I don't know what they offered initially. It wasn't that. It wasn't thousands of dollars and, and put you up and everything else. It was probably yeah. like fifty thousand frequent flyer miles, uh, exactly. and, and 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 a night at the Holiday Inn or something like that. And I don't think you're gonna get anything like that. Uh, in the foreseeable future. I think it's going to be pretty nice what you get. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to start just, I could make a full-time job out of this. And by the way, that doctor that got his ass kicked, getting dragged off the flight. I hope he gets millions of dollars in compensation for this. Cause this is ridiculous. That's, that's just 
terrible what they did to him. Just terrible. Uh, six minutes left on the live portion. Of course, whatever we do on an after show would be available if you subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Uh, and it'll come to you as soon as it's finished. Or you can go to any of these following podcast apps, TuneIn or Mixcloud or Blueberry or Player.fm. And once the show is finished, this live show and the after show, it'll all come to you in a nice big ball and you can listen whenever you want. Uh, you can always email the show. You would send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. Uh, you can always check out our past football picks for the past seven years uh, on our blog. And that site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. You can always follow Jason on Twitter at IMLDJTG. And I am on Twitter at IMLDDre. And of course, you're listening live on blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail, where we will be doing our draft aftermath show next week. Uh, whichever night is convenient for us. Well, I guess I'm available uh, either one of the nights after night one or night two. Uh, so it'll be up to Jason which night he would prefer Thursday or Friday night. The first round is th next Thursday night, and the second round is next Friday night. So when you think you want to do that draft show i'm gonna say let's go schedule wise for me i'm gonna say thursday works better i, I don't know if there's enough to need to, to to talk about in round two or three to do friday and we're looking at rounds one two and three um, yeah, we don't have a Manti tail this year uh, that we'll be waiting on in the second no, round. So well, not not yet. Be too much worthy. Well, <laughs> uh, there's still time. Still a week to go. Last, last year, make some... last year, Actually, we do uh, have Joe Mixon uh, dropping and, and floating okay. around, so that'll be a little interesting. <laughs> last year, did we have Laramie Tunsil? Was that what we had last year? Right, but he stayed in the first round, but he did certainly yeah. take a big drop. Well, that's what – but that's what gave us our, our – uh, our talking point. He's right. blessed. <laughs> He's just blessed. He's just so blessed. Yeah, that, was, that was the big news item from last year's uh, first yeah. round. So, yeah, something, who knows, something like that may be on the horizon as well. So, yeah, Thursday night, uh, uh, 9 or 10 o'clock Central. 10 o'clock. Uh, uh, 10 o'clock. Okay. Thursday. Thursday's a work day for me. So I'm going to end up, I'm going to be real interested, uh, interested, you know, to see, because I'll, I'll catch an hour of the draft at work, another hour of the draft on radio, and another mm -hmm. hour of the draft at home. So I'm actually going to catch a, 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 catch this from multiple ways, but I will make it my point not to miss much of the action, um, because it, it, we're not just breaking down the draft as much as we're also almost like media critics because we talk about the coverage of the draft too. I was going to ask, is this uh, ESPN coverage you'll be catching uh, parts of you? You get to pick, you get to pick well, your preferred choice. If you can pick what you want to watch, you could choose to watch ESPN. You could have that morbid curiosity to see, as I've predicted, are they going to roll out Berman? Are they going to unearth him for oh. the draft and he'll have his one day back in the sun? Um, or Lord. will they, what direction are they going to go? 
because I believe we predicted that it's going to be a mixed race transgendered <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> Sage, we, we Sage Steele and Caitlyn Jenner will be heading up the draft coverage this yes. year. No, Sage Steele and Caitlyn Jenner got it on and had a kid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait, but who's the mother? I that's that's bad. I'm sorry. Oh, I see. Oh. that's terrible. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, uh, yeah. No, the issue last year was that you're off the grid. You you. You didn't have cable in your house, so I have were... all all options are available to me. I have I have ESPN, uh, I have NFL Network. I, I'm hoping and beyond hope that FS1 covers the draft. It's all please FS1 send somebody to the draft because you get to pick who you want to watch. That does, I don't know if that relegates you to making the other person watch ESPN. It's just always been that way because the the winner never picks ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I will not pick ESPN either. <laughs> I will be watching NFL and Network. You, you luck out because you're lucking out here. Because I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, because of me being off the grid last year and not having, not a, and not having the options. I won last year and still had to watch ESPN. Right. Yes, I remember. <laughs> remember so, very well. I'm gonna have to I actually look that up I'm gonna, I'm gonna one for you uh, oh, okay. before the show because okay. I I don't know uh, if you had heard that FS1 might be doing draft coverage or what, but I actually looked oh, to hoping. see if any other <laughs> I looked to see if any other network had draft coverage uh, next Thursday night, and they do not. Not according to my cable system, uh. anyway. Um, on FS1, they can't do any draft coverage because they have to cover something so important that I never knew it existed. FS1 next Thursday night is covering beach soccer. I didn't know they were. That's why uh, FS1 will not be doing it. More on our live show when we come back. Now into our VIP after show program. What were we talking about? Uh, yeah, see, I'm almost, yeah. I'm almost considering uh, last year. It's almost like my money in the bank here. It's like you know. <laughs> oh no! It's Is gotta gonna be like my win from last year. That's right. Am I, am I gonna cash <laughs> in my win? And, and use that as my sort of like get out of jail free card or money in the bank. I, I won't do it this year. You oh. beat me handily this year. So, so we but, won't be, but, I won't but be I am, a text message about, wait, I'm cashing in. <laughs> money in the bank. My <laughs> God. My God. King that Seth Rollins music. He's cashing in money in the bank. By God. <laughs> No, this year I am not. No, this year I'm not cashing in the money in the bank. Okay. You don't. You probably don't have to deal with Boomer. I don't. I know. There's there's a curiosity now on my end going into this. Is as far as how you know what are they going to do without him? Will will the coverage get better? 
um, there, there's a very distinct possibility that this is that this will improve. You know that I, that I don't have to listen to Eagles references anymore. Oh, and not you the certainly won't have to listen to. Uh, <laughs> you certainly will not have to listen to Huey Lewis and the news references anymore, and all oh. of that. Uh, whether it's better or not, we don't know, but you, it will be devoid of that. I, I can pretty much promise you. Yeah. Um, so maybe I, I think what I'm going to do then, in honor of of Berman, is I'll make bad references, bad '80s and '70s music references through the whole show. Um, oh boy! In in honor of Chris Berman. I thought I was rid of that. I was I was hoping I would never have to hear another. Because uh... <laughs> I, I I could do it because you and I both readily admit we got his shtick, we got his jokes. They're just bad. They're bad, and the number of people who get his jokes dwindle every year because we're old and we die off. So it was really starting to be something that he he needed to be retired very very long ago and finally it happened uh no i'm curious as well as to how what the new look draft coverage is going to be like but I'm, I'm still going to cede that to you and let you be the man on the scene and, and describe how that goes with uh, espn's new coverage and i will take uh, uh old grumpy mike mayock and, and the nfl network coverage this year yeah i had i had that you know by virtue of winning uh two or three years ago i had that coverage and I just and I like Mike Mayock. Distinctly remember saying that he looked like he needed a nap for the whole draft. Yeah, he, and, can, by, and by he, and by day crazy. three, he was, and by day three, he was in full on meltdown mode when somebody uh, started talking <laughs> about draft grades and he talked about how stupid it was. Like right there on air, <laughs> it's like wow. You, I can see the producers now scrambling. Cut his mic. Cut his mic. Go to commercial. Yeah. Cut his mic. Get him. <laughs> What is this, CNN? All righty, then we'll, we'll do it live. <laughs> no, they're, doing, they're going O'Reilly. They're going full O'Reilly now. Oh, man. Yeah, I could see something like that, though. So I, I'm interested. Who, we'll do who it is live. manning the Fucking desk? Thing. Oh. No. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Okay. Right. Fucking thing sucks. We'll do it live. Okay. That's NFL Network's coverage on day three. <laughs> Is that that's Mike Mayock after three days of people talk around him talking about draft grades. <laughs> there it is. That, that's what I have My to look favorite. forward to. Well. I, I probably won't be watching day three, actually, so I shouldn't say that. But day one, uh, in the second half of the draft, that might be where he is already. My favorite is when they start assigning draft grades after the first round. They got an A. What? They made one pick. Guy hasn't played. Yeah. Guy has played zero minutes in the NFL. You got an A. What? Yeah. Most teams make one pick. There, there, there you go. A. Very, very the few players available yeah. at that time. They get an A. And, no, yeah. and nobody Some gets people, lower than the C minus. That's right. Some people gave Cleveland an A the year they drafted Johnny Football because they traded down. Remember, oh. the speculation was they would take him at like 12 or 13. They took some yeah. defensive back, traded back into the back end of the first round, and, and still got Johnny Football in the 20s. Right. 
Some people gave them an A for that maneuver. So that's what draft Man- grades means is, yeah. is absolutely nothing. Did you say maneuver or manure? Well, when you're talking Johnny football, uh, they're kind of one and the same. Uh, hey, hey! But, but you know, draft grade, it's almost the same as, like, uh, the NBA draft grades that they give out the, the, the same night or whatever for, uh, you know, 6'8 power forward from Cincinnati that uh, no one saw them taking him that high. They get a, an A minus. They made a steal, right? And you don't, the guys played zero minutes. You don't know what he's capable of. So yeah, this I'm, I'm with Mayock on that. I'm an old grumpy man too, when it comes to draft grades, because I don't pay any attention to any of that shit. It's all, it's all pretty ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a pretty terrible exercise overall. Um, and then the interviews, now that they do the interviews, because you'll get NFL Network, so you'll get uh, Deion Sanders probably oh, sitting no. there. It, wait, is oh, this a, am I talking you? Am I talking you out of watching NFL Network yet? Uh, because you get to watch I, those I'm, deep. I might have deep to think about it. Right there's um, not much on television dumber than Michael Wilbon, but Deion Sanders is is right up there. Um, so that's, <laughs> God, I didn't, I, I forgot about that. He is awful at his job. Um, he's great at the, it's not his job, but, uh, uh at the position of promoting Deion Sanders, he's awesome at that. But at the actual job of, of using the English language on NFL network, he sucks. He is terrible at actually using words that make sense. So, and Michael Irvin is, is maybe not even as as good as he is. He might be worse than Dion, uh, but they don't have Irvin up there trying to interview people, but they have Dion up there trying to actually interview these guys after they get drafted as if Dion has anything insightful to ask them. Um, and it winds up being, you know, 60 seconds of two guys slobbering over each other and hugging and dapping yeah. it up. And nobody needs That's to see exactly that. what so. it is. Dion stands there with a big smile, welcomes the guy to the league, ask him how he feels right now. And that's about it. And ask him how his mama likes his suit. Yeah. Yeah, and the answer is, hey, you're welcome to the league. How you feel? Man. Every guy starts to answer with man. <laughs> man. Man. He feels awesome, man. <laughs> That's right, man. Oh. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Tell oh, me I'm fuck. wrong. <laughs> God damn. Why do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> we know how bad it is and we still do it Ugh. I'm not talking about us I'm talking about why we as, as I'm, I'm calling myself media even though I've spent zero seconds in college studying yeah. uh, uh, journalism uh, but why just, the media does this and, and hires these guys who don't know English to speak English and, and try to make sense of it all it just why are you doing that nobody is entertained by that right and not just that you send somebody out there to interview everybody and you get the exact same. You're not going to get anything. I'm just glad to be here. I want to, I want to thank God uh, for really blessing me. I'm just so blessed, man, man. It's usually a, 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 I can't believe it. Uh, you know, something like, yeah, I'm just so, Oh man, I'm just so grateful. I'm just so lucky to be alive. I just want, to, and then they want to. Yeah, I want to think, you know. And then, then they give their Academy Award speech, right? Right. 
and then they're done. Think my mom, think my dad, uh, think my sisters, think my girl, my girl over there. I want to think my girl, I want to think my other girl. She's not here because they fight a lot, but I want to thank her too. Uh, love all y'all. Yeah, it's. <sighs> uh, we we won't be watching for the interviews. We we watch for the uh, for the actual coverage of the players, but we're certainly not watching for the for the post pick interviews. No, because it's so hard hitting. <laughs> right. We had our WrestleMania show. We talked uh, about what we saw uh, could be the main event, uh, what could happen uh, during the matches for for WrestleMania. Uh, we, I was listening to the show again. You actually brought up the Brock Lesnar, Bill Goldberg, uh, Universal Title match, and you threw a number out there of four and a half for how many moves would be executed in that match. And I said, that was a damn good number. I went back and watched the match. First of all, it's a five-minute match. We were speculating, <laughs> how can we stretch this That's thing long. out to be 10, yeah. 15, 20 minutes? They only went five yeah. minutes. Five. They had a five-minute title match at WrestleMania. Five minutes. And it might have been too long. Um, <laughs> technically, you have to, I guess, make the, the judgment call it may have only been four moves because there's a couple oh, of moves you. in there. There's a couple of moves in there that you have to judge. Were they consequential enough to be judged as moves? Because okay. if you don't count them, then there, then there, it will, there are only four moves. The yeah, first I, move is yeah. Goldberg spears Lesnar into the barricades at ringside. Okay, and that's, in the a process that's, of, a, that's a spear. That's a move. That was his like third spear of the match. It happened to be on the outside. Okay. In the process of bringing Lesnar back into the ring, he threw like a short knee somewhere near Lesnar's abdomen. Would that count as a move? That was completely inconsequential. He didn't have to do it. Lesnar wasn't fighting. He just decided to do it because he felt it was the right thing to do. He just threw a very quick knee towards the stomach of Lesnar as he was throwing him back into the ring. Does that count as a move? No. Ah, okay. No, I, I, I'm going to say no because I think that just goes with the flow of, of wrestling. That, that that's no different than somebody just giving a a slap or or throwing a guy into the ropes and then the guy runs back and then they collide or something like that. That, that to <laughs> me is just you know yeah that 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 was I think for show that doesn't for me qualify as a move. Yeah, I think a I I think I agree yeah. with you. I think a move qualifies as something that if you did it to a stranger yeah. on the street, you might be charged with assault potentially. No one's getting charged with assault for walking up to somebody and softly throwing a knee near their stomach. So, <laughs> no, that's not I a. Think I agree. With well, you. we're getting like we're getting to be as bad as football here. Uh, in the process of the catch, <laughs> he didn't make a football move while going to the ground. Oh my god! The previous move is under review. The second move, and if you don't count this, then that would only make it. The four that we discussed, spear, jackhammer, uh, F5, and, and German suplex, that, that those are literally the only moves in the match. If you don't get, there wasn't even like a short clothesline thrown in anywhere. It, honestly, it was, it was unbelievable. That was, a, that was a world title match at WrestleMania, five minutes. The second move that doesn't count, that might not count, because it wasn't actually done to one of the wrestlers. 
However, it was somewhat consequential in the outcome of the match. What happened was Goldberg got Lesnar in the ring, went for another spear. Lesnar leaped what they call leapfrog, which is basically he just jumped in the air and spread his legs. Jumped in the air, spread his legs, did a leapfrog, and avoided another Goldberg spear. Goldberg then went into the post or, or into the turnbuckle with the momentum. And that was momentum changing because Lesnar then took over the match through a couple more suplexes, through his F5, and, and got the win. So it turned the match, but it wasn't something Lesnar did to Goldberg. All he did was jump out of the way of a Goldberg spear. Would that be considered a move? Avoiding a move is not a move. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you do you concur uh, that just getting yes. out of the way is not a yes, move? I concur that, that okay. jumping up over a guy and not making contact with him cannot be considered a wrestling move. No, trying, yeah, th- trying not to get hit is not a wrestling move. <laughs> but it, it, it changed the match is why I was, you know, wondering would that count. It did actually change counts, the course of the match. Okay, it counts that he <laughs> might have put on a move, but I don't qualify <laughs> that as somebody attempting a wrestling move by avoiding trying to get speared. Okay. If you don't count those the other two guy, as moves. The other, the other guy was trying to do a wrestling move. Goldberg was trying spear. to spear him. Yes. yes. Which is, is one of his only uh, two moves. Two, two moves. Lesnar was just trying to not get speared. I, I don't qualify that as a wrestling <laughs> move. I qualify that as smart. <laughs> I don't pay my taxes. I'm smart. Uh if so, there you go. If you don't count those two, then you were correct. Four moves. That's all that Goldberg yeah. and Lesnar did in their world title match at WrestleMania was a grand total of four moves. Wow. I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Okay. Well, that's why that's why I did gave you a four and a half because you said that that was just a tough number. It was, and you wound up getting it. It was it was under. It was under yeah, four. And I, a half. I could, I could be a total jerk and say that both of those two moves combined make up a half a move, so it was a push. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing at WrestleMania anymore. We, world title matches that last five minutes between a fifty-year-old and a forty-year-old with a grand yeah. total of four moves. I'm sorry, five minutes for the world title match, and I, I mean, I'm not a big wrestling guy, but I've unfortunately watched my fair share. Five minutes is barely enough time for a match to even get started. You haven't even really settled in for the match, and that it's over. And that no, I'm sorry. The entrance that literally it. took longer. <laughs> yeah, it would take longer for Taker to get in than either one of that than that match. Right. Even their entrances were longer. Not not the Undertaker was much longer, but their even their entrances were longer than that actual match. So I, I don't quite understand what's going on there. So speaking of Roman Reigns uh, and Undertaker, speaking of Undertaker, Roman Reigns beat the Undertaker, and Undertaker winds up uh, having a little retirement ceremony at the end, which I guess explains why they never really had a a main event going into WrestleMania because that was going to be. The main event was Undertaker and Roman Reigns as the main event made significant by Undertaker uh, taking his gear off and, and laying it in the, in the middle of the ring and, and 
walking off into the sunset or dropping into the depths of hell or however you right. want to uh, characterize that. So that would appear to be it for, for Undertaker. And not a moment too soon because he has not looked good in the ring for five or six years now. And, you know, they they kept it going as long as they could. Uh, an incredible gimmick. All the, the fireworks, all of the smoke and, and the, the theme music and everything. It was, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, my uncle's wife has absolutely no use for professional wrestling. Even she would stop to watch the Undertaker's entrance through the years because that's it was, it was just mesmerizing. And, and as a wrestling fan, I think I, I put a lot more value and emphasis through the years on the reaction of people who aren't wrestling fans to really gauge what's effective, what's actually getting attention, what's actually uh, doing the job of, of, of capturing the imagination of people. And Undertaker's entrance making my uncle's wife stop and watch wrestling because she would not watch a second of wrestling otherwise. Um, so that that was a pretty pretty special effect that it actually made her stop. So Undertaker's done. Uh, I'm sure you, well, I shouldn't say I'm sure. Did you hear or watch or see anything about the Roman Reigns promo on Monday Night Raw the next night? I did not because I am not watching wrestling again until next year's Raw. So, <laughs> but you've said uh, you, you sometimes it, it, uh, in your in your readings uh, of of literature while you're I taking would, a dump, yeah. come across wrestling news sometimes. Occasionally, I do, and I did. I never did read the WrestleMania recap. I was so uninterested <laughs> yeah. in the card that I didn't even bother. I didn't even find out a lot of what happened until I talked to you. Uh, this is weeks after it happened uh, when yeah. you informed me as far as what happened. And, and no, and, and just the fact, I don't know what the setup is here because when you say <laughs> Roman Reigns cut a promo, right? I, I'm envisioning a train wreck. So, kind of did you oh, So obviously, no, no finishing school for Roman Reigns is what you're saying. Well, what's interesting to me is discussing it with my uncle, who is a, a big wrestling fan, and it's all his fault that I'm a wrestling fan. He's the one that got me into it. From what I guess, from what he was maybe reading online, is that this was done on purpose. So I guess I'll describe it to you, and you can tell me what you think. They start Monday Night Raw with sort of still frames from WrestleMania, finishing with Undertaker's little retirement uh, ceremony thing. And they come into the live arena, and the entire arena is chanting uh, Undertaker, Undertaker, like that, for literally like two minutes, right? They just kept going around the arena. It, it sounded like it was dying off, and it would start up again. And then in the middle of those claps, uh, they started injecting Roman sucks. So it was going Undertaker, Roman sucks, Undertaker, Roman sucks. And it went like that for about 30 seconds and then Roman Reigns music hits and thunderous booze and everyone's hating on him and he comes out. And, and so the reaction is com completely understandable when you have two minutes, when they allow two minutes of an undertaker chant, because this is WWE programming. If they want to cut it off at any point with Roman's music, they can do it, but they decided to let it go on as long as possible. 
And all to the point where they started chanting Roman sucks. And at that point, it's like, okay, let's hit his music and bring him out. And he comes out and he's getting shit on and, and, and getting booed. And he takes and he takes the microphone and he starts to speak and he's gets booed very, very loudly. And he puts the microphone down and he starts stalking around the ring and, and walking around it slowly and you know, doing this silent badass act. So what wound up happening was for like 10 minutes, he kept walking around, stopping, putting the mic up to his mouth, starting to speak, and the booze would rain down, and he would put the microphone back down and not say a word. And he did this for like 10 minutes, no da- no, no joke, literally about 10 minutes, and he finally stops, puts the mic to his mouth and says, this is my yard now, and just drops the microphone and walks out. And that was the whole promo. And what my uncle was reading was that that wasn't on purpose, that he had words that he was going to try to say, and he just kept getting frustrated by getting shouted down and booed by the crowd every time they put the microphone up. And I say, no, that was just a perfect scripted promo for Roman Reigns because they know he can't speak and because they knew he was going to get booed to death because he's the one who retired Undertaker. So it was perfect the way they let it stretch on that long and he just kept putting the microphone to his mouth and, and dropping it and just said, this is my yard. Now, I think they planned for him to have a five-word promo uh, and, and as a way to deal with the booze the next night. My uncle says, no, he actually had the whole speech made up. What, Which way do you think the, that they went? I think it was... I think it was the wrong angle. I mean, he, he what you need to do... I, I hate to say it. I don't know if he has it in his arsenal. What you need to do is go out there and be a total dick. Well, you're, you're you, on my you uncle's side, then. You think he had a whole promo to, and speech plan? I, not even a whole speech. You just need to go out there and just start yelling. Just start telling everybody to shut up. Like, shut up, you know. You know, and, and then, and, you know, and, and do it that way. And just do, like, they're going to hate you run with it go with it and I, I think that's the problem that that's their roman reigns problem is they're not going with the crowd and, and it, they hate him anyways he needs to start hating them back and th- th- that could turn into something special if you went that direction they're definitely not going that direction i'll tell you that because uh okay, let him since let him hate the fans as much as they hate him but since then, then they had him like get attacked him. by <laughs> then they were yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh so they're probably doing that on purpose. They're trying to string it out as long as possible for him to make a full fledged heel turn yeah. because they want yeah. to just keep it going. Uh they had him get attacked last week by uh Braun Strowman, the guy who you never saw, the the bearded weirdo. And it it was as much of a bad guy beat down as you'll ever see. He's throwing him into walls and he put him on a stretcher and the ambulance, the, the hospital crew came and carted him off and he's got in the ambulance and uh, in the most comedic line you'll ever hear, he actually says, I'm not done with you yet. And starts beating on him some more. Um, and at one point actually, and this is WWE getting totally cartoonish here, actually tipped the ambulance over, which is actually physically impossible for a human being to tip over an ambulance. But anyway, um, 
and was wildly cheered the entire time. Everyone was <laughs> like, He's hurt and in the ambulance, and people are cheering. Oh, yeah. That they tipped the ambulance um, over. That, that he tipped the ambulance. Oh, went nuts. Not just cheering, just went crazy for it. And chanting, thank you, Strowman. Um, I think uh, at one point, Reigns was getting strapped to the gurney, and they chanted, you deserve it. Uh, oh, wow. So it was, <laughs> yeah. So they're definitely not having him give the the the... The, the heat back to the crowd right now. They're I don't know what they're exactly doing with him, but uh but yeah, it's it's weird. Uh but they're they're stringing him along. They're stringing they're stringing it out as long as they possibly can and I guess they know what's best. Uh, like Jerry said on our WrestleMania preview show, if they have him come all the way back to challenge Brock Lesnar for the title uh, at next year's WrestleMania, by that point he will probably be hated by everybody, and Lesnar will be the the favorite, and and the guy that comes in and shuts up Roman Reigns, and everyone's gonna love him, and they'll do it that way this time instead of last time when they were trying to make Brock Lesnar the bad guy, and everyone was booing the hell out of Roman Reigns. So we'll we'll see if that all comes about uh, next year. But for for now, Roman is still sort of that badass but he's not a bad guy like he said he's i'm not i'm not a good guy i'm not a bad guy i'm the guy that was his problem uh, after nope. last year right <laughs> like we told you he's not a good guy or a bad guy he's a guy that that that's what it is <laughs> he's not the guy he's a guy he's just a guy just a guy yeah. who wrestles that they and they can't they just can't. They, they can't get over this problem that they have. That the, something he he's got pictures. I'm gonna keep going back to that. <laughs> he's got pictures because they keep trying no, I, to put this guy over, and it just isn't happening. I think it's worse than he's got pictures. I think it's Vince McMahon fell in love with him and thinks he's gonna be the next star, and that's it. it once that happens, they're gonna push you no matter what because it's Vince McMahon. So. I think that's the real problem. Uh, do you have any topics that you needed to get to tonight? No, I, th- I mean we covered a lot. I mean, we 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 did talk. We talked about our, our run-in in Chicago. Uh, we talked about the uh, the good time that we had with uh, Renard and Cassidy. And just you know, considering that that's you know what nineteen eighty eight. Since the last time mm-hmm. I saw Renard, I mean, you know, we're all sitting there just, you know, talking about the memories. And, you know, and finally, at one point I was, you, you, we do realize that this all was like 30 years ago. You know, <laughs> you don't think about that. that You're sitting there and you're having conversations about stuff. And we're having these conversations, you know, in the recollection, you know, especially when you're, you're in that setting and, you know, and stuff comes up. But we didn't even scratch the surface of our memories of, of our days at Skinner. Um but a few of them, and, and when they did come up, and we're talking about stuff, and we're talking about like the school systems, and we're talking about high schools, and it's funny because our our reference is is, is quite old, <laughs> you know, right? But but there it is, it's you know. Been a while there are all us. of us, yeah. There are all of us the products of Chicago's finer uh, education system. 
but we did pick up, like you said, when uh, the Skinner topics that came up, we picked right up as if we were still sitting in that classroom with Miss Grock and in, in, in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Like nothing's changed. Although, although I do have to clear this up on the record because it 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 it, it came up. It, it, was Mr. The Dominic. it was it was Mr. Dominic <laughs> who told us that the space shuttle exploded. Renard insists otherwise. <laughs> I I you're on board with me on this. I know that. I distinctly remember him poking his head in through the door. He didn't even put his whole body in the room. He literally just poked his head through the door and told us what happened. And I remember because I, I actually remember where I was sitting in the classroom. I mean, it was weird because um, I think we were into pods. I'm pretty sure Miss Allen had us in our little four desk pods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm facing the windows. So I had the TV on the left. And I'm pretty sure the TV wasn't in the room already. I thought they had to go get the TV and wheel it in or wheel it over I and, and they, do all that. I thought they had to wheel the TV in too. Yeah. And then the doorway to the classroom was on the right. And I remember Mr. Dominic coming in and poking his head because I had to look to the right and he said something about that. And then I turned back to the left and uh, Miss Allen was fumbling to go get the TV and, and wheel the TV over like right into the middle of the classroom and plug it in. And literally as soon as she turns, as soon as she flipped that thing on, boom, I'm like, oh, like, okay. and it was a replay, obviously, because, but, you know, it was just over and over. But we watched that. A, we watched a lot of that coverage that day, and she—I remember Miss Allen was crying. Um, yeah, but but we're, we're we we definitely have the uh, had a dispute over who it was that came in and told us what happened. Uh, but I can always remember it as being Mister Dominic. I think I'm with you. I, I don't know if I would testify to that under oath. Uh, but I think that's how I remember it as well. I can still see it. I would. Somebody came in and, you know, they put me up on the stand. I put the hand on the Bible and be like, yeah, it was Mr. Dominic. Mr. Dominic <laughs> told us. Um, for sure. I, I have no doubt. I remember, be, I like, I remember being in gym when they announced over the loudspeaker that Harold Washington died. Mm. We were in gym. And they announced it, and we had to get changed and uh, get our clothes back on because they were sending us home for the day. Remember, they sent us home. They they did they sent us home. We 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 got to go home early that day when Harold Washington died. And I remember being in the gymnasium with Miss Terry when that happened. I don't remember any of that, but I think the reason is because I would not testify on oath to this either. But I actually think I was out of school that very that actual day that he died. I think I happened to be home. Uh, just happened. To oh, be so then day. the question then has to be: Where were you that day? <laughs> I, I I think I have an alibi. Um, <laughs> but even if I don't, well, if, if I was home with my grandmother, that's not a good alibi because she's been gone since 1994. Um, but I'll just say I don't have to worry about it because I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations has expired. Uh, we'll go with that. In other words, you weren't there. Well, yeah, no, 
you can't see it. I can't prove a thing. Yeah, though that that one has served you well over the years. That, that that's yes. true. The one thing I remember about the Harold Washington uh, sort of memorial service, which I was there for that a few days, either a few days later or the next day, um, was. I don't remember her name, but who was that really grouchy teacher, the black lady that was heavy set, um, who just hated everything and everybody, as a lot of teachers do. Um, but for that service, she decided to sing uh, "Amazing Grace" and sang it. I don't want to say beautifully, but uh, sang it well and uh, and it, and was emotional, and and it was heartfelt. And I guess that would be a very early. Uh, look into somebody who gives off the the gruff exterior and keeps everybody at a distance but you see in situations like that they have this other side to them uh, that you don't ever was, get to see was that miss nell oh i think that well no uh, nell uh, the name nell to me is uh I think of that uh, that skinny white lady in the lunchroom, the lunch lady. What was her name, Nell, or am I thinking of somebody else? No. Oh, you mean the old lady? Yeah, I thought she the was old Miss lady, Nell. the lunch lady. I don't remember yeah. her name. She was the lunch lady. Was she Miss Nell? Oh, I thought she was Miss Nell. I, it's the name that jumped into my mind. I remember the lunch lady because God, I owe her a lot of money. <laughs> she liked you. She gave you a lot of a lot of cookies. No ice cream cups. She would, uh, you know, it'd always be like, you didn't have your lunch money that day. Do you remember she kept the list? Mm -hmm. I remember the list. Of of all the I know, nobody ever paid up. No. No, There's no way she didn't die uh, without a lot of people owing her a lot of money. (laughs) No way. (laughs) She was in her 70s when we were going to school. Yeah. That could have been Miss Nell. I, I was just trying to think of the name, but that—that's the only name I that jumped out. It might be the, the black lady. Might be Miss Nell. I, maybe I'm the. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. I cannot remember the black lady's name at all. Yeah, as unsure as we are about this, is how sure I am that Mister Dominic <laughs> was the one who told us that the space shuttle exploded. But you remember the mean old black lady? She hated everybody and everything. Yeah, she was a first. She was one of the first floor teachers. Oh yeah, with the with the the handicapped students. Yeah, yeah, with the the beeping softball kids. <sighs> yeah, I gotta say, Renard that. loved the beeping. Renard loved the beeping softball. Uh, he, Renard loved it we so much that he it. he he sent a fa- he sent me a Facebook article about uh, development of a of a beeping ball for for blind kids which had nothing to do with what we were talking about, but he sent it to me anyway because he was thinking about it. And the funniest part about that is so many, so many of my Facebook friends like loved it. Like, like, you know, the Facebook, you can like love, sad, angry, yeah. all of that. So many people on my side loved the article because they thought it was just a very nice thing that Renard was sending me and they really don't know the, the story behind that. So, uh, Oh, they I'll, thought I'll it was so much. Yeah, it was. Well, it was to oh, them. Oh no! Yeah, it was so not. It was so not touching. Yeah, but they don't need to know that. They just thought it okay. was a, it was a nice thing. That's, that's all. <laughs> oh, there there are no, there are there are people should know there are no nice things. 
um, <laughs> when it, a lot of the times when it comes to our sense of humor. Um, yeah, the whole beeping softball thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a phone conversation many years ago. Um, where we developed the idea of the beeping softball video game because we would no, we would need absolutely no programming experience at all whatsoever to just have a blank screen shouting out random baseball terms and market this as a video game for blind kids. Strike. <laughs> Double play. Oh. Uh... I just randomly, you know, you'd, you'd still have to have like button, pre- you know, like, you know, press a button to pitch, you know, you hit the button. Oh, oh. <laughs> and then you could have like random stuff, catcher interference, you know, you just <laughs> completely oh. random out of you know, out out of nowhere, baseball stuff could come up because the kids would have no idea. Mommy, mommy, I'm doing so good. Ah, oh, we are going to hell. We're horrible. We are. We are. That was back when we had. I believe the video games were uh, Sim Hood. If you remember, we were going to do instead of Sim City, we were going to do Sim Hood. Oh God! Where we were going to simulate <laughs> life in the hood. Oh, and, and and how poignant would that be today? <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> wow! It, it, yeah, well, that would be a you know that would be what today they would call it DLC. You know, you'd have the the expansion pack. You know, and uh, I believe the other one was Fuzzy Zeller Golf. Oh yeah, yeah. We we we're not going to get into to we, that. Yeah, I, I definitely remember we that. Yeah, I'm not even gonna go back down that road. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, Fuzzy Zeller Golf. Yeah, we, that was. Uh, yeah, but that was one of our games we were gonna have. Yes, uh, I very much remember full, that. One. Yeah, sound bites and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're not going back to those so, sound bites. No. <laughs> uh, touchy, touchy subject. I, yeah, I don't want to revisit that. Yes. Uh, can you believe we got into two hours, ten minutes, and there's still a lot of things I never got to. Uh, uh, well, any anything else that you need to, to to get out of the way here? I'm trying to decide: do I want to keep you another twenty minutes, or do I want to cut it off and get to all this at a, on another show? Or um, what 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 do I really want to get to right this right this second before it gets too old? All right. Um, I'll I'll do like a quick minute or two on on Jerry Krause. Just uh, please do not mistake his appearance for his effectiveness, because I think a lot of the hate on Jerry Krause throughout the years was the fact that he was fat and slovenly, and that's not fair to what he actually accomplished putting together six world championship teams for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, surrounding Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Uh, I think a lot of his uh, credit is not given to him because of his appearance. And I think a lot of his notoriety from people who are of a younger generation who came along after the Jordan Bulls, they know him as the guy that 
said organizations win championships and so they have a, a negative connotation of him as well oh he's the fat guy who didn't play but thought that the the organization should get all the credit i don't like him and that's not fair either because that's not what he meant what he meant was the players are obviously the ones that execute the plan and and do what needs to be done on the on the court or on the field to win the games but without a good organization putting the right players putting the right pieces together and the right coaching staff with those players, it doesn't work. It doesn't get done. And there's so many examples. If you're paying attention to bad organizations in sports who have good players and can't put the winning combination on the field in order to do anything with them, Mike Trout is going to set all kinds of records for career war and war in the first five years of a career and war in the first six years. Mike Trout is one of the most incredible baseball players uh, through his age, through his current age. Yeah. I think he's only 27 uh, or maybe 26. He's one of the more incredible players through that age in the history of baseball. And his team can't do shit because the Anaheim Angels yeah. can't put a winning team around him. So indeed organizations after all do win championships and Jerry Krause yeah. was correct in saying what he said and, and it sucks that he gets slagged on by Michael Jordan and other players and then uh, gets passed down to fans who want to believe everything that people like Michael Jordan say because Michael Jordan is a, is, is the GOAT. Uh, so I understand the, the desire to do that. But in this case, no. Jerry Krause deserves all the credit that he can get for putting the right organization, drafting the right players. Uh, the Scottie Pippen thing is obviously – you know, Central Arkansas, nobody knew who the fuck he was. And Jerry Krause took the chance and, and, and got him. Tony Kukoc is overlooked as uh, if Tony Kukoc came along with his skill set today, the way they go after European players in the NBA draft, he'd be a first round pick. But he wasn't a first round pick because no one drafted European guys in the first round back then. So Jerry Krause got him in the second round and he turned into a sixth man of the year and a very key contributor. Uh, to those first three championships and that sort of kicked off the European uh, influx into the NBA that we see nowadays and, and that started with Jerry Krause taking a chance on Tony Kukoc uh, he, he, he definitely did not get the credit he deserved it's so almost disgusting that the Hall of Fame vote for, for basketball just happened to come along like a few days after he died and he happened to be eligible uh, this year, and he happened to get voted in this year, uh, right after he died. Should have been voted in a long, long time ago. Uh, baseball scout originally, um, and it was actually his scouting of Ozzie Guillen in the San Diego organization that led Jerry Reinsdorf to uh, acquire Ozzie Guillen in the mid-80s. Uh, so credit on that end as well. Jerry Krause, just an amazing career, and absolutely never got the credit he deserved. It's funny that you talk about Mike Trout and war. Come on, come on. What is it? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing to some people. That's right. Say it. Say it again. <laughs> Absolutely nothing to. Oh, you were talking about this song. Um, that's right. That's right. But that would almost be Jerry Cross's song. song the song is a baseball jam. I don't. I don't see him as a saber metric. I don't see him sitting around for a war. 
No, he was a scout. He was he was a look at look at the player and and uh, he was he was Michael Wilbon. I don't need no numbers. Oh. Well, he wasn't that stupid, but uh, Jerry Krause was an honorary black person, is what you mean? No, I don't think he looked at numbers the way that Wilbon looks at it. I don't think he thinks. I don't think he's afraid of numbers just because he doesn't understand. Them. Yeah, uh, but, you know, he Jerry was a, a, a scout in the in the old school term of scout. He'd he'd go he'd go see the game and then he'd go talk to a few people in the barber shop about the game and that would be his scouting. Because we don't need to look at no numbers. Yeah, uh, no, I, I don't think he was quite that dumb. <laughs> no, you know, I think that whole organizations win championships thing overall kind of did him in, and almost the the eagerness. Once he said that, people kept thinking like he had this eagerness to blow to blow up the Bulls. You know, and 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 prove something that that it was like it it was all the Oregon. I, I think that quote kind of kind of put that all in people's minds that he had this ego that needed to break up the Bulls. Yeah, and, I think uh, you're right about that. And I think that's what ended up doing in Jerry Krause in the minds of a lot of Bulls fans. Not never mind the fact that he helped orchestrate and assemble a team that won six championships in nine years and almost went to seven finals in nine years because you know they should have gone to the finals that first year without Jordan. Uh, never never mind that that happened. About to say, might have won eight titles in eight years if Jordan hadn't quit on his team at the age of 30. Yeah, it was, it was insane. He had to go play baseball. No. Oh. He had, he had to go. He had to go out down in Charlotte. Yeah, and and he had to come up just in time to hit a hit a double in the Windy City Classic, <laughs> the Crosstown Classic. You know, I remember that. I remember Michael Jordan hitting a double in the in the Crosstown Classic down the down the left field line, and uh, that, that was it, it. Was such a huge deal, and didn't I, I did school that day? I did school <laughs> to watch that on TV. I watched it on, on TV exhibition. too. So what, did, did I ditch school too, or you? What? You had to have. You had to have because it was probably a one twenty start. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> so it tells you something that we ditched school to watch an exhibition game. We to watch a baseball game. It didn't count. That didn't count. Um, <sighs> that was a big deal back then when the Cubs and Sox would play would would play in that game. That that was that was the bragging rights. Didn't matter how good or how bad you really play, kids. Yeah. <laughs> before before then, that 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 was what how you determined your worth as a fan of that team in the Crosstown Classic. Or that was always in the middle of the season too. Yeah, it was after the uh, it was after the regular season began. Yeah, I I stayed home from school that day. I was I was sick, of course. Um, right. Yeah. Stayed home from school that day to watch that, and I remember Michael Jordan hitting a double in that game, and that was that was his basically his whole baseball career. But yeah, no Jerry Krause, um, yeah, he he helped put together and assemble and draft and 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 and, and do it and get that team. It helped that you had the great players, but like you said, if you don't surround the great players with complementary pieces. It doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, it can work for LeBron because LeBron can go to the finals with nobody. Just guys, yeah. um, 
but when you actually take that person and you surround them with with real talent, you win a lot of titles and you three-peat twice. So that that Jerry Krause is now in the Hall of Fame, even posthumously, is uh, a, a little sad because he deserved, you're right, he deserved to get in on his merit, on his own, um, while he was alive. I have a no feeling doubt. they're going to do this to Pete Rose. Pete Rose is going to be dead, uh, and then he's going to the Hall of Fame. You know it. No, you're wrong. No, you're That's right. right. He'll, he'll, he's going to the Hall of Fame as a dead man. That's how he's going yep. to the Hall of Fame. You're, you're, I can't argue that one second. <laughs> I think there are so many people that want to get him in, and it's just not going to happen as long as he's alive. They, they, they won't forgive him. They won't give him being who he is, the satisfaction of right. going in as a living human being, but they understand that he needs to be there because I do believe that Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. We, of we watched him play. We, we caught him at the tail end, but he still deserves to be there. The 40, 4,400 hits, he should be in the Hall of Fame. That was, you know... How could you not be? But I have a feeling he'll get in after he croaks. That's a big part of the argument as to why I don't put value in sports halls of fame because any hall of fame for baseball that doesn't have Pete Rose or Barry Bonds is a joke. And the NFL hall of fame is a joke because they have a a minimum every year of five guys. So whether you deserve it or not, well, you really weren't a hall of famer, but we have to have five and we kind of ran out of guys that really deserved it. So you're, you're going to get in you, Mr. Uh, Schlobotnik from the 1960s who kicked a field goal in one of the AFL championship games. You're in this year. Yeah. Uh, Well, we we broke down. Uh, many years ago, we broke down a guy who got in who had like uh, his highlight career highlights were like, oh, he had three tackles in, in, in the in 1950 a game. title game or something. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. Okay. You're in the NFL Hall of Fame now. You have a bust in Canton. Oh. You're now one well, of the all deserving. Yeah. While there are people who are probably deserving who, who are just sitting and rotting. That guy, though. Terrell Owens? Not a hall, not an all-time great. Joe Blow from nineteen fifty something. He's an all-time great. Okay, yeah. whatever. I am going to spare you all the rest of these uh, things that I wanted to get to. I have a story about me being embarrassed, which is always fun for anybody to listen to. I'll save all of that for another show somewhere down the line this summer. And I okay. will call it a night uh, on, on this very, very long episode of Kings of Non Sequitur. <laughs> yeah, we have nothing to talk about, though. Yeah, right. Nothing at all. <laughs> well, we had Pizza Fantasy or uh, Football Fan Rush Radio and Jesus Sugar. That's what I named the show after. So we got yeah, to all of that, at least. Yeah, and the draft is next week. Can you believe it? Next, next week. Thursday. So next Thursday, nine days from tonight. Uh, we'll be uh, back on live, actually talking some football. At 10 p.m. Central. 10 p.m. Central. Give me enough time to kind of, and the draft will probably still be going on when I get home. Right. It'll probably still be just finishing up the first round there. Yeah. 
So there you go. Come back next Thursday, 10 p.m. Central, to join us for our NFL Draft Aftermath special podcast and whatever we want to get to in the after show of that show as well. He's Jay. I'm Dre. This has been Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. If you listen to all two and a half hours of this, what the hell's your problem? But, but seriously, thank you very much. And we will talk to you all next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.